Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title, and start listening now. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com SLM and get started today. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Outfielder Podcast, episode number 80, brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, a.k.a. Founder Numero Uno, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Popfly himself, Founder Numero Dos, Ben. When I think of notable Italians, I think of Pudge Rodriguez. Baseball. Ben, what's going on, man? (laughs) Was that because he had like a pizza place in uh, in Arlington? I think so. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's perfect. Hey, do you see that man outside our sensibly loud window? He's just yelling about how we need to spay and neuter our pets. Who the heck is that? Ladies and gentlemen, now batting cleanup for the outfielder podcast number three, the great Sam Bino. Good evening, Sam. Hello. How are you guys? Excellent, man. Excellent. Very good. I, I definitely just spayed my dog on Thursday, and um, she, she's not too happy about it, but I, you know, that's for the greater good. It's probably because you did it yourself, you sicko. Yeah. Trying to save a little money. I'm just no comment. <laughs> but as you did that, like she walked in the background of your shot and I just saw this satellite dish walking through your <laughs> It feels like a felony that I might have spayed my own. So I'm going to say no comment. Okay, that's good. Maybe, maybe not. But you still did the right thing as a responsible pet owner. And that I appreciate. Well, isn't the isn't the legal shield all we have to do is say allegedly? I think so. Something I'm like not that. a lawyer, but my lawyers inform me that might be accurate. Yeah, that's what our lawyers tell us. That's for sure. But I'm they, okay they, with that. They're not putting it in writing, so that's a little concerning. How's your weekend, gentlemen? Not too bad, man. Had, got to watch a little bit of baseball. It's been nice. The Red Sox have been on the West Coast playing the Padres, which is kind of a, I don't know. It just feels like kind of a, a treat, just kind of breaking up the monotony. You don't see that very often. So you're still watching the Red Sox, even though they're losing? (laughs) Well, I told you that I've kind of been watching the Padres all season long as well. So it was kind of one of those things like, well, I'm going to watch both. And yes, I will watch it as it goes down with the ship because it's just going to make me try to digest it and move on. You know, I think a lot of fans might give up on their team and be like, oh, I'm done with baseball entirely. Or if they're actual true baseball fans are going to like watch whatever games are really cool. Yeah. Like Yan- Yankees Dodgers is on great series, great, great series to watch if you're just a fan of baseball, but good to hear that you're sticking in with the Red Sox. That means you're a true Red Sox fan. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to bail on them at this point. I mean, I've got, and the other thing is like, I mean, it's important to be understanding of what you have going into the next year and what, as we head towards the off season, what pieces are, you know, likely to walk and what that looks like. And it's always kind of hard to tell there, but regardless, I don't know. I mean, I've come this far. Why give up now? You know? Yeah. It's very, Oh, captain, my captain of you and, and uh, mad props. So while I still am a Ranger fan, I have switched. And today I was rocking my Brooklyn Dodgers cap 
because I believe I have Dodgers Yankees in the World Series was my beginning of the year prediction. And uh, there's a chance that unless Houston has something to say say about it, I might be uh, two for two on that one. That'd be a pretty I mean, that'd be a pretty wild like thing to happen, given that was it was that your prediction last year? It was Dodgers. I don't remember what you had on the AL side, though. Yeah, I think I went Dodgers Yankees both years. And well, did you go I, Dodgers? I keep predicting that I'm bound to be right eventually. Oh, that's the that's the Max Kellerman style. I think you, I, I thought you went Astros Dodgers. I don't. I, well, I'll have to I'll have to get out the stone tablets from the garage and and see where we keep all that. Um, we've actually upgraded, and it's now on that like 1980s printer paper that's like the green and white sheets mm-hmm. with the beveled edges that you yes. have to kind of peel off. Dot matrix so, printing. Yes. There you go. Thank you. I appreciate my tech friends knowing that. I just remember how terrible it was. I actually have a Google sheet with this. It has no printing at all. It's entirely digital. Um, if you give me a few moments, I'll pull it up. I know that I had Dodgers Astros in the World Series, and I think I had the Astros winning it. Um, but I can't say for sure until I pull up the dot matrix in quotes. Correct. Well, and, and here's the other thing too, as it comes down to dot matrix which by the way i can't wait for the sensibly loud media review of the news of the fourth matrix movie like that's going to be a good episode to tune into here coming up shortly so i'm excited about that but while you're pulling up those figures here's something that uh y'all know but i don't know if our listening audience knows i like flea technology so i'm aware of that google doc and i bet when you go to my picks they're going to be completely blank unless someone else filled them in because it took uh, it took me just pulling teeth just to get a computer to do this podcast. That's fair, but I'm pretty sure that you wrote them down somewhere. I just don't know that you put them in the Google Doc. I me writing something down somewhere and losing it sounds awesomely like me. So that's, that's a pretty Ben baseball thing thing to happen. You know what else is a pretty Ben baseball thing to happen? The Impossible Burger. That's exactly it. Me eating fake meat substitutes okay how was it so we saw the video okay so i put it online on friday or saturday and the idea was i went and tried this impossible burger so how high level or low level do y'all want to know what this fake meat is low level all the details yeah are you serious you want me to go into this yeah, I want to know what I'm going to eat next week when I try myself. It's not Gentlemen, a real long explanation. Ben's got it down pretty succinctly. Go for it. Gentlemen, here's the thing. There's this thing in your meat that comes from the blood, and it's called hemoglobin. You with me? With you. Okay. So there is an almost identical compound found in plants called heme. Get it? Heme, hemoglobin. Yeah, got it. it's a real thing. Love it. So some scientist a couple years back is like, hmm, what plant has the most heme? And he came up with these peas and he genetically modified them to make them like produce an ultra amount of it. So it is this heme enhanced pea protein. So when it hits your skillet, it's going to sizzle like ground beef. It's going to texture like it. And so when you're eating your impossible burger, that's where you're getting your fake meat. And none of the methane. Correct. Yes. And depending on the Burger King, none of the meth. Right. <laughs> important uh, distinction to make here that's I for sure that. so, so overall I've, how was the taste i've got the stone tablet up if we want to jump into the standings that we predicted well 
I want to find out. Uh, let's close this burger loop, and then we're going to get back to that. Ben, how did it taste? It tasted really good. It, I was a big fan of it, and I definitely recommend it. If for no other reason that if I get y'all to buy it, Burger King might keep it on the menu for a while, which would be good for me, like in a selfish manner. I saw that you gave it eight and a half baseballs. That's pretty good. Yes, uh, I had to come up with an on-the-fly rating system, so now I will have to remember to utilize that next time I'm reviewing food, specifically if it's a fake meat product. I, for one, thought you might have said balls too many times (laughs) during the review, (laughs) but by and large, uh, spot on. So I've heard wonderful reviews about the burger. Correct me if I'm wrong about the Whopper in particular, most of the taste of the Whopper comes from the not burger patty. It's like you got tomatoes and onions and everything else. Like most of the consistency and textures and flavors come from not the burger patty. Mm-hmm. Well, and the fact that it's charbroiled, it makes it a little bit different that way too. Yeah. Yeah. Which I actually kind of like. People are mixed on that, I feel like. Well, and that's the thing. I was never a huge, when I was eating meat, you know, I wouldn't go to Burger King. That wasn't like one of my normal hangouts. Um, like I was, was much more of a of a Wendy's type of guy. Okay. Um, so like if if Wendy's came on and A, wanted to sponsor this podcast, that'd be cool. But if they really went in and got in like their own square shaped impossible burger, like mark me down, Texas double, no tomato, bring it on home. That would be unbelievable. Wendy's is my go to like guilty pleasure that I won't talk to anybody about i will go get a number of like double cheeseburgers bacon double cheeseburgers oh, yeah. for good reason and they're you have so like cheap three of them in your front seat of your car and you're just shoveling them down crying slightly listening to like npr but then at the end of the day i can hear my heartbeat and i hurt <laughs> listening to bon iver <laughs> Something yeah. like that. it's bony bear no it's not that's not all true. right. So that uh, make right. sure you check out the video and follow us on sensiblyloud.com uh, or check out Sensibly Loud Media on Facebook to get more food and other thing reviews. Sam, where are we at on those tablets, my friend? All right. So I took a lot of notes during our prediction episode. So let me headline. Don't do don't do all of it yet because we're gonna do at the end of the year a true breakdown. I'm just curious as to where we're at on the um on the World Series picks. I, I, Can I do World Series picks across the four participants, or should we just do the three that are on the air? Because I can I will skip the you know uh, division results. I'm happy to just jump to AL NL champ and World Series winner for the three of us. Yeah. I'm good with that. The one other thing I want you to do real quick is just eyeball the worst prediction that you saw there as a <laughs> teaser. Just up to this oh, point. That's and, so easy. Well, well, but we don't really know how everything's going to shake out specifically. So I, I'm, t- I'm not talking about like the Red Sox repeating. I'm talking about like what was like a bold claim that someone made that really didn't hold up. And if that's it, that's it. But I'm just I, I, that's what I want to know in your opinion after that. Yeah, so at that level, I think when I state it out loud, it's going to be pretty obvious. I'm not going to delve into division winners because some, actually a fair amount of that across the board, I would say maybe like four out of six divisions are still up in the air. Right. So I'm not going to get into those, but when it, I'm going to go through AL, NL champs and World Series winners for all four um, primary contributors to the outfielder. Okay. First, Excellent. we have uh, Justin. He's predicting that the AL champ is... 
What Red Sox. Yes. Like the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah the Bo Sox. Red Sox versus Dodgers, predicting the Red Sox are going to win the World Series. That's okay. actually a pretty good prediction circa April. Yeah. Before the season started, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ben Baseball, uh, predicting the Astros are going to win the AL versus the Dodgers. Um, and then the Astros taking the World Series. I, I think that's a pretty strong prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is actually... Astros v Phillies in the World Series. Oh. Astros taking it. Mm-hmm. But Ben Baseball and I are on the same page about the overall winner, which is arguably the most important decision. And then <laughs> Jimmy. Poor Jimmy. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Jimmy predicted Indians versus Dodgers in the World Series with the Indians winning the World Series. Hey, I mean, wow. I mean, it looked bad until like June until they rattled off like 19 games in a row wins or some shit like that like though they went like 19 to 9 or something like that i forget what the exact math was but i mean talk about prattling and piddling i mean god he wants the indians to win he has no faith in those mets oh i mean but the point wasn't to pick the hober category here so i mean to be fair we didn't really know the mets were going to be on fire in august either so who knows did you just say that to yourself in the mirror what? The point wasn't to pick the homer pick. Right. Well, says the guy who picked the bus. Yeah, but no, it, it, they it they won 108 both. fucking games last year or 119 yeah. games total. Like I don't I don't really think that that's a homer pick as much as it's like se- okay. seemed realistic. But of course well, I was going to go with the way that my team, you sure. know, like that's going to be a deciding well, factor there. Well, let's just put Ben's statement into perspective because both of us picked a div- pick division rivals to win the World Series. That's that's our level of wokeness. Yeah. <laughs> I will also say, though, that I did pick the Yankees specifically to come out of the AL East. I know that. Yeah, no, that, so. that is true. That is true. Um, but at this point, and this is great radio, raise your hand if you're wearing a Boston Red Sox hat. Always, buddy. Okay, one, one person. Also, raise <laughs> your hand if your team's won a World Series in the last, I don't know, ever. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. My name is Ben Bitt. No, okay. <laughs> and we're going to Brad Boxberger t-shirt. That's how yeah. sunken my ship is. <laughs> An incredible t-shirt that I own as well, so I can't say anything. That's awesome. That was fun. Um, yeah, I can't wait to get back to the predictions, though, and just see how everything looked. The Phillies, I mean, that, that was another good pick at the beginning of the year, given what everything looked like. And I don't know that... I don't know, man. I I don't really know how close or far away the Phillies are. It's really confusing to watch. I've actually watched a couple of their games lately, and other than just mashing the hell out of the ball, they don't really seem to have a whole lot. Well, so that's that's going to be something I think we're slotting for the week after the World Series to where we're going to invite Jimmy on. We're going to go through who picked what, exactly kind of where everything shook out, and then see who made quote unquote the worst pick. Yeah. So I think that's that's, that's kind of what we're thinking at this juncture. Yeah. I can't I mean I, I like I said, I, I'm just interested to really dive into where we thought I, I'm actually more interested in just the divisions and how we thought they would shake out versus what's happened because there have definitely been some surprises and some real obvious ones that stayed where we thought they would. I would say that both central divisions have been largely surprising. I would agree with that. And they've been a lot of fun to watch. Like, uh, I don't think there's any question that the NL East was supposed to be the most competitive and fun to watch division. 
it has been incredibly fun to watch. And actually down the stretch, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch even from this point on because the Braves are going to be playing so many division rivals. But overall, both the NL Central and the AL Central have been um, very volatile and uh, quite a bit of fun to watch. A lot of ups and downs for a lot of those teams in those divisions, too. Like, I think the roller coaster ride that the Twins went on has been very interesting overall. And, and like I said, I mean, this is all still in August. We've got another month and change to go. So, I mean, a lot could still shake out. And to your point, Sam, there are several divisions that we really don't even know how they're going to shake out yet. Not even a clue. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even the NL East, it's not like, I mean, the Braves have a pretty good hold on that, but that wild card spot is up for grabs, no doubt. No doubt about it. But I was looking at the Mets schedule. It's full of division games and stuff coming up. I just, I have a feeling they're going to poop on themselves big time. Yeah, They're so really for, damn good right now, though. Their pitching's incredible. So for context, the Mets are currently 12 back in the division, so they're not going to win the East. Right. They're not worried three, about that. Yeah, they're three out of the wild card. Uh, so they're two games back of Chicago, who's currently in the second spot. They'd have to lap Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and then the Cubs in order to get in that second wild card spot. Boy, Milwaukee has definitely been an overall change of pace from what we thought they were this year i i i'm shocked by that overall because christian yelich has been having an mvp caliber season i i would not be surprised to see yelich get a number of mvp votes but it's just so interesting because you'd think that that would give a team something to rally around for but every time that i see them going for it i just don't see them as energized or excited as a potential contending team with the mvp on their roster you know as as you would expect at this point it's true oh go ahead sam none of their their pitching is not that good and their offense also isn't that good i mean they've got uh that rookie guy the japanese name person what's his name I can't think of his name. I'm pulling up the roster. It's right basically now. him and Yelich, and then they have no pitching staff to speak of. Their run differential is minus 29, and I've talked mm-hmm. a lot about how that's only directional. But uh, they're, you know, also five and five in their last ten. So, I, you know, I'm not sure they're going to make it to so, even card spot Milwaukee. We've we've joked before about Yelich looking like uh, Pete Davidson's from SNL. Do we think Milwaukee would be better or worse if Pete Davidson was on their team? They'd be worse. I think they'd be a little worse. Although, you know, there's something to be said for someone who's really strong in the clubhouse, right? Talked about this time and time again. A good comedian can really bring a club around to pitching to a better ERA. Yeah, and if they wanted a clown, they would have signed Bryce Harper. hey Wow. Oh, he's been pretty good the past 30 games. Yeah, they signed that ancient hitting coach, which is unbelievable. That guy looks like he's coming out of his grave every time he goes out there, dude. Can I just talk about Bryce Harper for a moment? Like, he went on a the paternity leave list. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was married. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. He really? just seems like... I don't know. He's like, yeah, I feel like he's 10 years younger than me. And how could he, his life possibly have advanced further than mine outside of making more dollars? It's unbelievable. I feel like a piece of shit. I would argue astronomically, really. I mean, to the tune of hundreds and hundreds of millions. Well, I know that that's a fact. Yeah, that's rough. That's I definitely can't believe rough. that hashtag baby Harper is a thing. 
Um, and what if that was what they just named the kid? They either named the kid Baby Harper or Harper Harper, because Harper is a pretty common first name. I feel like he would name his kid Azul or something like that. Name his kid Beardling. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you guys this. Is there anybody in your minds that are just a runaway MVP candidate at this point? Aside from the fish in Los Angeles? I mean, yeah. Well, they they call him the God of War for a reason. I think that... I don't want to just always hand it to him, but he always has to be one of your top two or three contenders. Yeah, I agree. Isn't that kind of the problem, though? I think like too many people just say, oh, he's really good. We know that. Let's think of somebody else. It's like he he almost deserves his own award. Dude, exactly. Like he's he's arguably the one of the best players of our generation and nobody even really knows who he is. You know, I don't even, I don't even think it's an argument. I don't think so either. No, but I'm just saying like, like you can look at a lot of different guys there, but I'm just saying like, he's really, really fucking good and definitely in the conversation of the top one or two for sure. Yeah. I think that's, I think he's a lock for AL. I think Acuna is not getting enough heat on the NL side. Um, Yelich has largely been running away with it, but Acuna is a guy who's going to go 30-30 plus. Um, he just breached 30-30, and he's going to lead the Dodger, or I'm sorry, the Braves to another division win very, very likely. So I think that's a, that's a sneaky NL MVP candidate who's not getting enough heat right now. I agree with that. And, I mean, going into this year, whenever we talked about the Braves, you and I had been high on Acuna for quite some time. And we said that the biggest thing that we wanted to see out of him this year is consistency. And he's actually shown that he's had some slumps, but you're going to have that no matter what is a ball player. But overall, I would say a very kind of flat plane overall and done really well and been really successful. I think he's hit the most home runs in the last like month. What if I threw Bellinger into the conversation? What, what are his numbers like? Let's take a look at this real quick. So I have Bellinger's numbers right now. Um, 143 hits. Uh, 42 home runs, 100 RBIs, batting average of 314, OBP of 410, slugging percentage of 658, OPS of 1068. That's a combined 7.9 war. Pretty damn good. It's a pretty damn good season. I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at like DJ LeMahieu, for example. He's had a great season, batting 330 on base 377, slugging 5. 25 and a 902 OPS a pretty damn good season for a player like him you know that's actually not uncommon for DJ LeMahieu I mean his numbers have definitely come up from previous seasons but he's always batted for average in Colorado and I think he's just now getting a spotlight to be like a candidate for a real award true and he's also really annoyed us in fantasy and I think that's why we've written him off a lot <laughs> that's that's the easiest way to get on the ire of the outfielder podcast <laughs> That J-Mac down in fantasy. It's true. I mean, Bellinger's numbers are undeniable. I think that's that's a fair point, Ben. Who else is in the conversation, would you guys say? I'm just trying to think. I'm just trying to think of who else is, like, even close to those two. In NL? Yeah. I'm looking right Freddie now. Freeman. Freddie Freeman is having a great year. Freddie Freeman has a higher OPS, a higher average, more RBIs, and less stolen bases than Acuna, and that's kind of it. I I don't want to keep harping on the Dodgers, but uh, what about Justin Turner? 
Yeah. Tell, tell me more. We're looking at uh, 124 hits, uh, 59 RBIs, but batting average 291, OBP 374, slugging percentage of 505, but OPS at 879. Pretty damn good. Pretty good. The other one that could probably be made the case for is Alex Bregman. Ugh, what's not? I know. I don't actually. Yeah, we're not doing that, but the the numbers are there. They're probably like third, fourth, or fifth place, though. They're not as good as like Trout. So that's a good thing for us. And last time that we he drew our ire, he got smacked in the face with a ball. So, you know, I would want to do that again. He bled when Justin wanted him to bleed. He did. It's a lot of power uh, I hold. Speaking of bleeding, Sam, you put a note in our run sheet about someone getting hit with a bat. Walk yeah, us through oh, kind of what right. happened to you. All right, so I was watching uh, Braves v. Mets the other night. I think it was Friday night. And Josh Donaldson has like a historically long backswing on his uh, follow-through from swinging the bat. He just took what I would call a galaxy hack. Like he's just swinging for the galaxy. Yep, awesome. And he misses the ball. And traditionally, you know, he's he's made it to where he can swing that hard and not hit somebody in the head uh, with his bat. But there was also somebody stealing from first. I, I think it was Acuna or maybe Ozzy Albies trying to steal from first. So the catcher on the Mets, Nito, um, was also sort of like catching the ball and rising at the same time. And Donaldson's backswing hit him right in the back of the head. And Nito was wearing one of those... Um, like hockey style hockey goalie style masks that has that like kind of small plate it's like the size of a grapefruit this plate of armor on the back of his head and it kind of slipped off the back of that piece of armor and hit him right in the neck um and nito nito was on the ground i mean i saw the backswing you could hear the the crack of the bat on the guy's neck armor and i was immediately just like "Oh, oh shit Guys, this guy's concussed, or this guy is like going to get carried off in a stretcher. He ended up getting up, and it was all right. But it was an extremely scary moment. I mean, many of these backswings that hit catchers are in the face mask or on like a hard plastic helmet. But this one kind of like glanced off a piece of plastic armor and then hit the guy like right where your lizard brain is, like right on the brain stem. Yeah, it was really scary. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel, I feel bad for the guy. It was, it calls into question how armored are these catchers? I think, you know, safety is a really big part of the, um, presence of the game now for fans and for players alike. And, you know, we should, you know, maybe look at that. I mean, there, you, you think about those goalie style masks, there's really just like, you're really just covering the back of the skull and there's nothing else going on below that. It, w- it was a scary moment. I was yeah. really worried for that guy's life. So are you talking about like more padding in those masks or what? Well, I mean, even that, even a plastic plate that would fall further down and maybe cover more of the, the back of the head, that would be, yeah. that would be a step in the right direction. That's not a hard ass. And that's not no. even like going to really get in their way. Well, I was just going to say the only thing I could say, I could see that players would not like about that is just the fact that, I mean, you are as the catcher watching the bases and, you know, being, keeping a sharp eye on what's going on. So like 
you can't have anything necessarily impede that. But I'm sure that you could figure something out that would be... I mean, if these guys are wearing giant hats that look like mushrooms on their heads to keep from getting hit yeah. in the head for the comeback, I mean, or you can definitely figure something like that out. When was the last time we've seen this happen? It is kind of like a very rare circumstance, but it was an extremely scary moment. You know, these are the sort of scary moments in my mind that lead many, many more players in recent years to have that uh, when they're batting the the jaw yeah. guard. Like you get Giancarlo Stanton breaking his jaw. So many more players have that. They actually have like the integrated look, right? We don't have any more exposed fasteners on those jaw guards. And I feel like that's, they'll, they'll figure something out to make that work if it, if it becomes enough of a problem. But I, I got really scared. I saw, I saw that I was a catcher. I saw that pitch. I heard that noise and I saw him go down and I was like, shit, Ooh, that's shit. I would like to point out that we did invent the, the non-hardware fastener face yeah. mask. Yeah. I, I would say, you know, they're not there yet. Um, it's not one piece helmet. There's like, they still have fasteners, but like it, it is covered by another piece of plastic. So, you know, we still have work to do and we, we did call that out last year and it is fixed. Yes. Well, and that's, that's something where we wanted to make sure we put it on tape. That way our patent lawyers have something to go on. Uh, you know, an MLB can buy us out, which, uh, by the way, major league baseball, we're at sensiblyloud.com. still waiting for those emails. Happy to hear from you. Yeah, but I'm not sure I want them to buy us out, but that's a whole other topic for another day. <laughs> I don't want to become part of that media arm. <laughs> I'd take it. Would you? Oh, man. Yes. It's good stuff. All right, well, let's do the POS Corner. This is Paul Ramham from WBAT in Cincinnati. We interrupt this regular scheduled programming to bring you this breaking news bulletin. It appears that people have been called pieces of shit from around the globe. Baseball players in particular seem to be the main target. However, no person, concept, or universe is exempt from this cruel but very usual punishment. The perpetrator has been identified as the great Sambino. Police have confirmed that he is still at large and about to take his piece of shit corner. Ding, ding, ding. Huge piece of shit. Hello, America. Let's talk pieces of shit. Let's. So, so formal. <laughs> my piece of shit for tonight is the MLB. The MLB um, has enabled teams across the league to, or not enabled, they forced them to wear uh, black or white jerseys. They call it the Players Weekend. Um, so when you watched any baseball over this last weekend, teams are either wearing all black or all white. That is not why I'm calling them out as a piece of shit. Uh, the reason I'm calling them out as a piece of shit, uh, th those uniforms were terrible. They are, they are terrible. Uh, the Dodgers and the Yankees were playing this weekend. These are two extremely iconic teams. These are two teams you want to see in pinstripes or home white Dodgers, right? You want, you absolutely want that on as, as a spectator. And what the MLB did when both the Dodgers and the Yankees were requested, hey, you know, I know it's players weekend. I know you've got this marketing scheme to sell more merchandise. We're going to wear black and white. Uh, we would love it if 
for one of those three games, you'd allow the Dodgers to wear their actual uniforms and the Yankees to wear their actual uniforms. We think the, you know, the players would love it. The spectators would love it. The fans at home watching on TV would love it. What do you think, MLB? And they said, go fuck yourselves. Keep wearing the black and white uniforms. Um, so for that reason, the MLB is a huge piece of shit. They, they disallowed two classic franchises in the MLB to show their true colors literally. They, that's a hundred percent accurate. It, these are the worst jerseys I've ever seen or uniforms I've ever seen, but that's even besides the point. The fact that they just kind of dictated, I get, so I, I guess there's is kind of a multifaceted thing. You've got two sides of the coin here. I understand why MLB doesn't want to grant an exception whenever they've decided to mandate this thing in the first place, whenever it comes down to like the business side of it, just because of the merchandising alone. And that's all they're thinking about is dollars and cents here, which I understand. However, to your point, it's an iconic thing that would have been a much better look overall. And I, I guess my thing about the whole, like the second side of this too, is like, I don't understand why they chose everybody's to be the same like this because they, and, and on top of that, I don't know why they chose those same uniforms to look like garbage bags. Well, and that's where I think for me, not to quote you after you make your great point, so much of it is show me the money. And like you said, I think whenever they picked the weekend, they were like, oh, yeah, we always do it in August. It's a great merchandising push. People are talking about it. And in this juncture, they didn't think, oh, God, we're going to have two of the hottest teams in baseball playing each other, two of the most classic franchises in yeah. existence. And we're going to make them, you know, dress in a huffy bag. But I think to Sam's bigger point, this just once again is an example of how MLB is completely unaware of what's going on. Like, it's their job to look into that. That's what they do. That's what they're supposed to be doing. When they, when they create the schedules, you're supposed to look at all of that stuff. And it's just telling me that a little bit of foresight would have kept this disaster from happening. What are you talking about? I would never say such a thing. So I think there are two really easy ways around this. One is to not hold players weekend when interleague play is going on. Agreed. Every, every team in the AL is going to play every other team in the AL at some point in the season. Make it happen April through, what is it, May. April, May, or early June what, before interleague play really kicks up. And these matchups start to really matter and could be really cool. The other thing would be to not have it happen. You could, you could stagger the players' weekends, right? It could be like when Boston is playing the Yankees for the ninth time in the season, like have them play a series where they're wearing these shitty uniforms. That would be fine. Stagger that sort of um, schema across the entire league and then we're not matched up with the Yankees versus the Dodgers, and they're wearing black and white, and you can't tell their goddamn nicknames on the back of their yeah, That's the other thing about this, is it does get confusing when all these other games are on, and you've got everybody looking exactly the same. I, I just I don't really understand the methodology behind this, because it's, it's not disruptive, it's tacky. Like, think about the last couple of years whenever they did this, and they had, each team had the same styling, but they had their own colors, which was better because at least you could tell the, between the teams, and also, like, you could read the nicknames on the back of the jerseys. All that stuff seemed like it made sense. This just didn't make any sense. It felt like it was thrown together. 
Well, especially if you're going to put, I'm not a clothier of sorts. I'm not a tailor. I'm not even a design person. But even in my limited design experience, I know not to put white font on a white jersey. Right. And that's the point. Like, how is that going to sell? I don't understand why. That's the other part of this. I don't understand why they think that this is going to sell more gear. This cannot sell that much more gear, right? Like, There's a 0% chance I wear all white to a baseball game. I will come home covered in mustard. <laughs> I mean, that's like as, as much of a joke <laughs> as that is, Ben, that's very true, though. <laughs> so I guess... The, the big question in my mind at this point, knowing that it's already happened, like, how could it have been worse? I don't know that it could have been a whole lot worse. What do you think? Thank you. No, that's kind of it. That was kind of my point. Yeah. I'll, I, I so, really don't I see. So, I guess, on the white jerseys, the white letters could have been, or the letters could have been white instead of silver. That's kind of it. Yeah, that's true. But even then, like, it... it it's mass confusion whenever you have nicknames on the back of the jerseys too, because we don't necessarily all know who Mitch, you know, like Mitch Moreland is when he's got two bags on the back. You know, like it, it, not everybody knows that, so it makes it even more confusing. And it just so, sort of, I don't know. I was thinking about your your question that you posed, and I think it was largely in jest. But I've thought of a few ways that they can make it worse. Oh boy, let me present to Hold you. On. Do tell. Hold on. Is this going to be like your take whenever you said that everything is better wet? <laughs> oh, I immediately can refute anything if we're going that route. No, 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 no. No, no, no. All right. Um, let's put both teams in the same color uniform and just see what happens. <laughs> That's true. That accidentally yeah. happens from time to time, which is really annoying, too. Let's put everyone in fluorescent orange. That's a pretty hmm. bad look. So I've got to think that, you know, I, I consider middle infielders perhaps the cleverest of the players on the field because they have to do some funny things with the runners and keep them on and make them make them think that things are going on. I've got to think that if everyone was in the same uniform, you'd have like an Elvis Andrews acting like a runner to yes, throw off somebody <laughs> at, or like Rubnet or Odor like throwing throwing off the runner on for I don't know there would be some funny play for sure but I love that thought why wouldn't you though like if, if you were in that exact scenario I would do that as a player I would just cause mass confusion hell yeah what are they going to do about it they're the like Major League Baseball was the one that made this stupid decision in the first place and so did you guys see the other part of this so I guess this came out during the Cubs game on Friday that there was an issue with the batters seeing the pitchers' hats or something like that. Hold on. I'm going to look this up. Tell me tell me more. Slander yeah, baseball so, real quick. Let me look up the exact specifics of it real quick. No, I do have it. I have the oh, specifics already. I pulled them up. Yeah, so basically, and that's where we have to say that there was foresight because there was issues where the team, even if the, the pitching team was wearing the white uniforms, they still had the pitcher in a black hat. And so everyone else on the field on the team in the white uniforms would be wearing white hats except oh the pitcher because they didn't want the pitcher's white hat to distract the batter's the batter. ability to see the base. So, so is that to say but, they turned the pitcher's hat into a batter's eye? Basically, yes. Oh, my God. And, what a nightmare. And, Ben, I, I will refute that a little bit. Baseball did not have the foresight. John Lester brought that to their attention. 
Oh, really? So yes. on Friday, it was all white, and yes. then on Saturday, it was white with the black hat? I don't know that they started that way, but John Lester was the one that brought that point to fruition. And also, he got absolutely shelled that same day. I don't think those are related, but they no. could. <laughs> let's just pretend that they are. Let's yeah, let's just, just let's just do it. That way the, that way the pitcher can blame uh, their ERA on a uniform choice that Major League Baseball made. <laughs> he was it's distracted. It's a good call-out, regardless of the origins. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. But so they, once again, not having the foresight to think about how this is going to work practically in the game. They're just the worst at this, and I don't understand why. And that's why the MLB is a piece of shit for this week. Well rounded out. We'll give it even another bell and everything. All right, Ben, you're up next. Well, it's going to sound like I'm copying Sam, but I also would like to put... (laughs) The overall organization of professional organized baseball on the POS list for the week. Tight. And this has nothing to do with uniforms, although I kind of wish it did. Okay. No, I'm here to talk about, let me get my, my banjo and start playing union songs because I'm here to talk about wage inequality. Oh, boy. And no, this is not me finding a way to point out that this was you know, black women pay week where they finally make as much as a white man, even though it's August. That's not what I'm going at here. What I'm talking about is the fact that minor league baseball, specifically single A ball, players are making darn near minimum wage. They're being forced in these just crappy apartments. They're sharing rooms. They have to ride on buses. And they're making at most like $1,300 a month. I want to say either the Athletic or the Atlantic, I'm not, I don't have my source correct yet, did a think piece on this uh, sometime in the last two to three weeks. And it is definitely worth checking out. Gentlemen, what thoughts do you have on the minor league pay scale and the fact that some of these players are destroying their bodies for a shot in the bigs. That's not going to happen. And all they have to show for it is 1300 bucks a month and the inability to hold a gallon of milk in their throwing arm. Yes, I totally agree. This is not a, a new problem. I think it's a, a new problem to many Americans, but a, a lot of people um, are in the minor league system right now, probably quintuple what are in the, the major leagues right now. And you're right, Ben, they absolutely sacrifice their bodies for a shot at the bigs. And I think a lot of people uh, within the organizations might say, well, that's part of the game. You know, that's part of the the ritual. Like, see if you can make it, uh, you that's, know. That's a real easy way to but, justify it. Right. It's a super easy way to justify it. But at the end of the day, a lot of these guys don't make it big. And then they're totally useless to society afterwards. Right. And just because you can justify something doesn't make it a good idea. So Sam could justify spaying his dog himself with a rusty pocket knife, but that doesn't mean it was a wise choice. Right. Totally. Correct. And I mean, think about the guys that don't make it who blow out a shoulder that have injury, you know, to deal with after they don't make it in the big leagues and all the money that costs and all that stuff. Yeah, so that's, I think there are a lot of guys. Uh, well, not a lot of guys. There are a lot of people who might say something to the effect of, "Well, that's what you get when you put all your eggs in one basket." But I think it's pretty easy for someone like 
the New York Yankees to pay their high A players a living wage to the point where they're not bankrupt the second that they're cut from their high A team. Well, well, right. And that's the thing. Whenever people say that they're putting all their eggs in one basket, like that's a sideline opinion where someone is not realizing that these kids are groomed from age like five, six, seven with private lessons and with as select baseball clubs and they're eating, sleeping and drinking baseball. It's not like they just got a 1400 on their SAT and they're staring at a, a Yale scholarship or a chance to make the Red Sox. Like, no offense, if there is a player that's doing that, that is the anomaly, not the norm. Correct. Yeah, I mean, the, the originating thought is not wrong, but that doesn't make the output right. Correct. That's a great way to say it, for sure. That's a good so one, anyway, Ben. We'll have to have yeah. more conversation about that as we get towards the CBA and everything because that's going to be Absolutely. a big part of this, I think. That's what I'm doing is I'm laying some groundwork. We're going to have some really good CBA talk and some strike talk. Plus, this offseason, we're already planning some of our content. We're going to bring you home back to 1994, and we're going to talk about a strike. And I'm not talking the opposite of a ball. I'm talking about a walkout, a labor stoppage, whatever you want to call it. We're here for the picket line talk right here on the Outfielder Podcast. Justin, who's on your list today? So I, like Sam and Ben... And putting, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to put Major League Baseball. <laughs> That'd be great, though. I am actually putting 12-minute baseball games in the POS corner. Explain yourself and explain that. Holy shit. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to run down a little bit of mass confusion that I dealt with the other morning. So I think it was it was Tuesday night. I was watching the Red Sox versus Royals. Tarp went on the field, got rained out, postponed for the rest of the night. It was tied. It was in the eighth. Thir- yeah, it was in the eighth inning. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It was in the ninth inning. It was tied, and essentially, they called the game for the night. They got up the next morning and played the rest of the game. The first at bat that the Red Sox had, Brock Holt hit a home run and won the game. So literally, from start to finish, it was 12 minutes. And the reason I put this in my POS corner of the week, I was happy the Red Sox won. However, it caused mass confusion when I got on an alert that said the Red Sox play in 30 minutes. And then all of a sudden I got a final score update that said they just won in a walk-off on ESPN. And I was very confused as to what the fuck had just happened until I actually got a chance to look back and see that they were going to handle that that way. It was a lot of mass confusion all at one time. I'm glad they won, but regardless, it was just really weird. I've never seen anything like that before. You reminded me of something because I love trivia and I love history. Do you know what the shortest end-to-end baseball game in history was in the majors? Minutes or innings? Minutes. Not not innings. (laughs) No idea. (laughs) Probably nine. (laughs) No idea. Back in 1919, the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Phillies played a game that lasted 51 minutes where the Giants won 6-1. to one. What? How is that possible? I have no idea. I just uh, heard about it. It was the first game of a doubleheader. There were no lights, so they had to play two day games, and they just had to try to rush through it. 
Dude, that's basically just getting out there and just throwing one pitch after another, after another, right. after Were another. Just quick pitching everybody. <laughs> yeah, they they turned on the quick pitch feature on their PS4. That's oh, what they were doing. So what I'm, I'm all about that. More of that. No, we, Justin. I, to your point. Sorry, I went in a trivia wormhole there for a minute. No, and I'm I apologize. Glad you did. I think the. 12 minute baseball game I, I feel bad like for the you know like everyone else that had to come out to the game <laughs> to so get ready get a home run like you know like i don't even have the queso for the nachos done melting yet and they just called the damn game like right. what am i supposed to do here <laughs> son of a bitch yeah you can't even really settle in everyone yeah it's rough it's a tough look because then you just usher all those people with the yesterday's ticket out to get all the new people in I mean, do we know what the attendance was for that? I haven't looked. I'll have to. I'll let's put that in the idea folder. We'll get back to everybody on that. Oh my gosh, that's that's incredible. All right, good POS quarter, guys. So we just talked a bit about putting stuff in the idea folder. You know, where's a really great place to get ideas? What's that? Books. And if you don't have time to read, have I got something for you? Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook, audiobook, not an audiobook. That's a not a real thing. With a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com/slm. There, you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com/slm and get started now. Make sure to look for books, not bics. Yes, great sponsor. Good people over there at Audible. Great to deal with. All right. Next on the baseball agenda. So I saw today that the Rangers signed a 16-year-old international player. And I was really intrigued by this guy because for a couple of reasons. But I want you guys to pull up MLB rumors and take a look at this with me real quick. All right. This is me and where i'm at because where my mind goes is i'm now looking up international child labor laws because i'm sure there's some hoops they have to jump through here so that's really ultimately my question here is like how does that work specifically because they signed this dude it's uh, his name is uh baron laura and they gave him so 16 jesus 16 years old and I'm trying to look at the specifics of this deal. So they also signed a couple a shortstop and oh, two shortstops to bonuses. They're worth like one point six million and like eight hundred and thirty-five thousand. So like you can understand why like teams go to this well for talent because it is high, low risk, high reward type thing, right? I mean, that's a given. Yeah, you're not you're not necessarily breaking the bank on this signing. But to Ben's point from earlier, too, like you know, we talk about the wage gap and all that kind of thing. Like, are these guys really, I mean, is it really a good thing to be going out and signing like 16 year olds? I mean, are they really able to make that choice for themselves at that point? I don't think they're able to make that choice, but if he's going to make the $3.9 million that they've signed him for, like how quickly are you going to make $3.9 million? And that's my point is obviously that's enticing, but Kids aren't going to think about that as a full picture offer kind of thing, you know? I think if I'm a kid, I would take that. If I was adult, an adult, I would take that. Well, yeah, and I think 16-year-old Ben Baseball, if you gave him $3 million and change, uh, there's going to be some not good choices that immediately follow that decision. 
But I mean, like you look at what the Braves got into with dealing with this international pool money and everything, where they had all kinds of corners that were cut and I mean, just real shady things and almost taking advantage of these guys. And it just that part of is what it's, it feels seedy to me. Like I understand, you know, it's a great it's great money that these guys would probably never see otherwise. Just, you know, statistically alone, given where, you know, the some of the countries and stuff that these guys come from and not not that's a bad thing, but it's just they would never sniff that. And so, like, obviously, that's enticing. But is that like the best thing for them? I don't I just. I don't know. And it feels like teams are kind of taking advantage of that in a lot of ways. I would argue that probably is the best thing for them. That's probably the best thing they're ever going to see. And given that the Rangers had like the second most international signing bonus money to give, they blew it all on three prospects just now. So here's Uh, the that's I, a shitload of money. Who's going to, who's going to say no to $4 million. No, I get that. That's my point. Sam, the logic you just used, though, is really dangerous, really dangerous by saying that, hey, without this deal, they would have nothing. If you extrapolate that, you can then use it to justify my sweatshop in this tiny village in Bangladesh. This is not a sweatshop. They're, they're having- no, I'm with you. But if you're saying, hey, this kid's about to get $4 million without my generosity, they, he would have nothing. Then it's a slippery slope to saying without my garment factory in nepal these people wouldn't have money for rice you know nobody said he wouldn't have money i'm just saying that's probably the best thing he's gonna get like that's the best thing that you're gonna get oh sure that's the best thing any of us would get yeah absolutely and that's fair i actually pulled up the child labor laws so super high level let me just break them down because it's interesting Uh, a child is anyone under the age of 18 unless otherwise notice blah 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 but International law says as long as you're 15, you're able and authorized to work and you're able to do any work as long as it's not all forms of slavery, commercialized sex exploitation or any work uh, that by its nature is harmful to your health, safety and morals of children. So that's like a U.N. international thing. But two countries have not signed on to it. The only two countries that have not ratified these provisions of the rights of the child, Uh the United States and Somalia. That's a tough camp to be put into. So even if you were saying, well, they're 16, but is this putting their safety or health at jeopardy because they tore up their shoulder without realizing it? Not too bad. So U.S., they didn't sign on to it. USA, I mean, USA. We're not putting him in a coal mine here. I mean, we're asking him to continue to do what he wants to do, and he's going to get paid a lot of money. Like, I'm with you. But, I'm but, just playing devil's advocate. And, and Sam, to your, it. it's not a good non-ratification. I get but, it. Like Sam, to your point though, like obviously that's what's best, and obviously that's what that person's going to do. But if they're like continually getting hurt and all that kind of thing, like the pressure remains on regardless, because at that point you're probably doing what's best for your family and, you know, trying to take care of everybody there. So that, and I think, I think to speak into the spirit of this conversation, he's not going to be really smart with that initial signing bonus, right? right. Like there's no way this is going to go really, really well long-term unless he's successful in MLB. Um, so there's something to be said for, you know, making sure that there's some education in place to make sure that the goes well, that those funds are invested, but that's not going to happen. Bought his entire family Lamborghinis or something ridiculous. I mean, 
we see Cespedes getting hurt working on his ranch. So, I mean, you know, you never really know what could happen even at the major league level. And you said you said it was the Rangers who signed this kid? Correct. Yeah. Let's just be happy that it wasn't like the Roughnet or Odor deal where we signed him for horses. That's true. We all we blew all of our uh, international signing bonus money. We we blew it on this guy, Bayron Laura. We spent another one point six million dollars on a guy named Maximo Acosta, and then the rest on a guy named Zion Bannister. Which Bannister? <laughs> Wait a minute. Just saying. <laughs> I feel like we're onto something here. So that's our international pool money. Do you know how many seasons we've been racking up international signing bonus money? Like six. At least six seasons, we've been racking up this money. We blew it on three guys. What's I would also, I would like to do a a little bit of a deep dive this off season and see what those like. So the Red Sox did this a few years ago with Russ Nay uh, Castillo, where they gave him just an absolute ass ton of money, and he's never cracked the majors. So I would be interested to look at that and see like how often those guys actually, the guys like Puig that actually pan out like that. I'd be interested to know what the likelihood of that is. Well, I'm sure the Rangers are, are just trying to get the next Darvish or to get the next, um, you know, Otani. Like, they're just trying to make something happen. But I don't well, know. With those two guys, at least, sorry to maybe, like, take a very small sample size. Those two guys were, like, proven in the Japanese league. At very least. true. Yeah, no, and no. Those, those guys those were. Weak. We're talking about, like, teenagers that the Rangers are signing now. And that, that calls into question a great number of moral questions. Yeah, no, even though they're being paid a lot of money. What's our um? So we've talked a lot about international pool money. Do you know what the Rangers international horse situation looks like? Do we have a, a pretty good stock of those to sign out or <sighs> the horses? Yeah, I think there's a number of paints. There's a couple paints, maybe a couple of Siberians. Okay, is that a so thing? It sounds, it sure. sounds like the uh, the situation's pretty stable. Hey, <laughs> uh, I, I just. I don't think that that PR move played out the way they thought it would. I don't really think that they thought. I think they thought that would be really cute. And I think it ended up looking really stupid. No, for sure. For sure. No, that's that's really interesting. Thanks, y'all, for, for bringing that up. That's a good that's a good topic. I love that Ben's all about a good stable joke. It's great. It's awesome. What? I try to make a horse joke and you just say nay. <laughs> oh, no. You drew the I draw the line there, Ben. Yeah, not that's a bad. Me. Well, we definitely, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to check us out. We are at sensiblyloud.com. Plus, we are all over your social media. That's right. If you want to check us out, we are on Facebook. We're on the good old Twitter. And, of course, we are on Instagram. So make sure to check us out. Plus, we have a slew of other great podcasts for you, whether it's entertainment, reality television, overall sports, or guess what? Basketball season's coming back. I just bought a basketball yesterday, and I'm going to be practicing in the paint. That way, maybe I, too, can join those boys on on the break. Make sure to check us out. Thanks for listening. We want to thank everyone for tuning in for Episode 80 of the Outfielder Podcast. We would like to thank all of our fans, Sensibly Loud Media, our sponsors, and those with the sharp eye to keep the runners close. Grounds crew, please keep patrolling that outfield. Don't text and drive. Big ups to Kevin Towers, and we'll see you right back here next time on the Outfielder Podcast. If y'all start coming at me with horse jokes, y'all better be ready to pony up.